Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. I may have one too many nicknames, Walker, but that's not as bad as having one too many voices in my ear. And that's exactly what Hayden Hurst said was the problem for Bryce Young during his rookie season in the NFL. I think when you have a young kid like that, again, you, know, you come from Alabama and there's one voice of reason. So you, know, you think they have your best interest in heart. And unfortunately, I think when you're in the NFL, there's a lot of people that want to maybe put their stamp on it or, you know, this is... I was the one that kind of got him there, so it'll be good for Bryce to have consistency this offseason, one voice, tell him what to do, and kind of guide him in the right direction. Walker, what do you think of a veteran tight end in the NFL, Hayden Hurst, outwardly saying, yeah, this guy had too many people telling him what he should and should not do that is rookie NFL season. Well, that is true. And if the players are telling you that, then it's clearly the number one comment we should take away from locker cleanout day. I thought that they would be able to bring all of these guys to the coaching staff and they would act professional to the point where they wouldn't overload a young QB with too much information and allow him to really uh, take over what Frank Reich was saying and everybody get on the same page as to what they were going to teach Bryce Young. But apparently that didn't happen. And it was always going to be the question, if things went terribly wrong, was Jim Caldwell going to come in and say, we should do it my way? Was there Thomas Brown who was going to come in, who got head coaching interviews? who maybe thought of himself as enough of an up-and-comer to go ahead and take away that power. Say, hey, screw this, what Frank Reich is going with. We got to do it my way. And Frank Reich, being the head coach, could ultimately decide what he was going to do with holding that position. I just thought everybody would be professional enough to where they could all get on the same page and then preach one message to Bryce Young. But that didn't happen, especially when things started to go so poorly. And now Bryce Young has... Not nearly the season we all thought he would. Yeah, I'd said this before the season started when we talked about potential downfalls of this coaching staff, and that was one of them. It was just too many guys that weren't on the same page with Frank Reich and too many guys that thought that they knew better than what the head coach knows. Because like you said, at Alabama, there's not going to be any dissension on that coaching staff. And if you do try to step up against Nick Saban, you're going to be out of there, okay? And so that was the issue. You got too many guys who fancy themselves as these offensive geniuses, and then when they see Bryce doing something and somebody comes and tells them something, then they got an opinion, and then the next guy has an opinion, and then the next guy has an opinion. So this staff, as much as we lauded it for being uh, an all-star staff, and I'm doing air quotes with that, uh, this staff, the chemistry was just poor. And it's the same thing with a team, a staff, a job, a company, anywhere. If you don't have good chemistry with your employees, it's not going to work out. And for Bryce, like I said, it was too many guys telling them what he should do on top of having to learn a playbook and NFL defense. So and, and this is one more question before we move on to another soundbite. How much of this is David Tepper going to Frank Reich and telling him, hey, you have all the resources. You have endless amounts of money to go hire who you want to and who I want to on the coaching staff to help you out offensively. So you go and get Jim Caldwell. Remember, Frank Reich told you he didn't really know Thomas Brown. Those guys had never worked together before. And it was eerily similar to when he brought in Matt Rule and there were reports that David Tepper wanted Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator. What did Matt Rule tell you afterwards, after his tenure with the Panthers was done, was that 
he wanted to hire guys that he wanted to hire, that he was familiar with. And Joe Brady certainly wasn't one of them. Thomas Brown was not one of the guys that Frank Reich was familiar with. I think diversity of thought, as they called it, in theory sounds really nice. I bought into it. It makes a lot of sense. Hey, if we take the good from every offensive philosophy, we can apply that into one awesome offensive scheme. Except when things go poorly, now you have guys preaching one part of the philosophy, trying to override the other part. Now Bryce Young doesn't know what to do. Yeah, I'm sure your whatever your footwork looks like, it'd probably break down as well, not knowing exactly what to do. I just thought everybody would be professional enough to find the same message to preach to Bryce Young, but then it seemed like everybody wanted their philosophy to take over. Yep. We talked with uh, Gabe McDonald in the 12 o'clock hour of the show, and he said between Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu, and Derek Brown, Burns is going to be the odd guy out getting a, long, a, a long-term contract here in Carolina. And Brian Burns admitted today he has a lot to figure out about his future in Carolina. I just know they got a lot of stuff to do. They got a lot of stuff to figure out. I, I don't think I'm number one on that list right now. So the best thing I can do is be ready. So uh, if you do, if, if, if it do turn out that they do want to keep me here and I stay, I'm ready. And if it turns out I have to go somewhere else, I'm definitely ready for that too. So as long as I'm ready in, in, uh, in any angle, I'm, I'm fine. Wes, did you see this this ending maybe this way for, for Brian Burns where it's just going to be maybe a mutual split where maybe he asked to be traded or maybe the Panthers franchise tag him and look to trade him? I didn't see it turning out this way because I thought he was going to have a better statistical year. I thought he was going to best his uh, season total of 12 and a half sacks last year. I thought he was going to have more than that, especially when he started out the season with two right off the rip, especially coming out of a contentious week in which he had the mini holdout, as I refer to it as. And I thought when he did that, I said, oh, this guy's going to come out and have a career year. And that was just not the case. And so uh, when I look at it, Again, I, I felt like I thought he was going to get his money in the offseason anyway, and I felt like maybe if he would have held out just a little bit longer, he would have accomplished that. But he tried to do the good thing, and he tried to do right by the Panthers. And you have to learn, you know, in this type of business, you you know, you can't trust the corporation. You got to do what's best for you at all times. And I think Brian Burns is learning that. And I thought a key thing in what he said was if the Panthers decide that they want to keep me here and I stay, like, he made that. I, I took from that, like, if they decide they want to keep him, but I'm still going to decide yeah. if I want to stay here or not. And if I don't, I'm ready to go somewhere else. And so I thought that was quite telling in his quote. Brian Burns said all the injuries on the defensive side early in the season impacted him, especially after his contract talk stalled. This according to Joe Person. Brian Burns said, quote, dealing with what I was dealing with in camp, I was terrified to get hurt. Did he ever find himself feeling like he was playing not to get hurt? That's what Joe Person asked again, and here's what Burns responded with. I don't want to say that, but in the back of my head, probably sometimes. Being transparent, I wouldn't say it's nothing I'm proud of, but it's human nature. He did add that his effort never waned. Last thing Joe would clean up on some of this, he said Brian Burns said he played hurt much of the year, was on the injury report with an ankle injury, elbow injury, concussion, illnesses, knee issues. Quote, dealing with injury, a lot of things play into your head. I dealt with a lot of stuff mentally and emotionally, but I think it's going to take going to make me stronger. So take that however you want to. What I'll tell you is after this season where he didn't get home nearly as much, The advanced stats will still tell you that Brian Burns is a good pass rusher, but probably not elite, and he's asking to get paid like a top-five guy. What makes you think negotiations are going to go better this go-around than what they did last offseason? I have zero indication that this is going to go better. 
especially if you move on Scott Fitterer. He's no longer here. We have no clue what's going to happen with some other people in the organization still a part of the front office, like Dan Morgan, at least right now. Samir Suleiman, a guy I continue to point you back to, still a part of this front office as it stands currently, the capologist. He's still here. And wouldn't you think the capologist has a lot to do with negotiating such a monster contract like Brian Burns is asking for? So if the Panthers were only really willing to give him like 24-25 a season, Brian Burns was asking for 30, and it didn't seem like there was a lot of wiggle room on either party. You think there was enough done this season from Brian Burns? You think there's enough clarity this year as to now they're going to get on the same page? Because I certainly sure as hell don't. feels like this is going to get even uglier. And it's going to be really interesting to see how everything goes with the Brian Burns situation. That'll do it for the live wire with Josh, question mark, Marlowe. Unless you had something else, you seem really mad at me. No, Go no, I, you got a piece of audio I want to play. All right, well, we're up against the break. You've been talking about how you wanted to go to break a lot better on time, but go ahead. What you got? All right. You got so mad at me. I just wanted to make sure you were heard. I mean, I just feel like this is good audio, and I want to play it. Remember back at training camp, y'all went down to Spartanburg, and y'all asked Jeremy Chin about his role, and our man's got defensive. He he wasn't happy with us. He then goes on to play 30% of the snaps, I think, this year is what the official number uh, worked out to be. We confessed today that the lack of playing time, it was surprising. I think that was maybe the most frustrating part for me personally. Um, you know, coming into this season, I, I thought I was going to come off the field. You know, I thought I was going to have a, a huge a huge role in this defense um, and be able to leave a, a large impact. But, you know, as the season goes, things change. And, um, you know, it definitely was a, a surprise the way things did <clears throat> end up panning out. More likely, Walker... The Panthers misused Jeremy Chin after finishing second in the Defensive Rookie of the Year award in 2020, or that Jeremy Chin was just a one-year wonder, and there's a reason that we don't know, but the Panthers know, as to why he hasn't had the same type of impact since then. Yeah, he clearly wasn't happy with us when we kept asking. We, we, we asked like three questions in a row, and I could understand why you were frustrated, but it was a big deal with him coming in. Jero Averro talked about his lack of snaps. It was right after the Detroit loss, 42 to 24. He only played 18 snaps, and he was asked if it was just due to the flow of the game. Averro said, yeah, that's exactly it. Specialized packages for him. We're obviously trying to play him and Troy Hill at the nickel position and then have Jeremy in some of the dime positions. Again, it's almost coming back to the situation on first and second down. Getting more third downs is how we get him on the field. And then some of those specialized first and second down deals too. Our execution level, our ability to play the run game better, get into more pass situations is going to allow that to happen. Here's the problem. Troy Hill played pretty well at nickel. And Troy Hill ended up playing a lot of snaps as the season went on. And Jeremy Chin, you look up when you hear his name, it's him making a special teams tackle. Yeah. That's how it ended up going for Jeremy Chin. Any final thoughts on Chin? Yeah, no, I think it's very simple. When you look at a guy and you go to PFF, the coverage grade the last two seasons of 58 and a 51.6, he's given up this season a 145 passer rating with an 82% uh, reception percentage. And so uh, that's the thing. Everybody talked about how Evero would love to use Swiss Army Knife guys and just put them in all types of positions. But I think for Chin, he just wasn't dynamic enough when playing down uh, in the box and then couldn't cover very well. And I think that led to his playing time decreasing.